Welcome, everyone, to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Hi, Natalie. So happy to be here today. As am I. I'm always happy to be here. I, I dreaded these podcasts, but now I look forward to them. Good. I know we're mm-hmm. what we're almost at episode 70 now, which is wow. insane. Mm-hmm. I think it's the feedback, right? And the response we're getting. And these are real tools we're putting in the hands of people and it makes it worthwhile. It makes it valuable. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very good. And today mm-hmm. we have a very special guest yeah, that we, we, we have introduced in the over the last few episodes, but she's officially here. Yeah. Hi, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. We're here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're happy you're here. Uh, Catherine has been a friend of both Virginia's and mine for quite a while now, also a client of Virginia's. And you said it before, she is the product of all of these principles that we've been talking about and ideas have consequences. And I mean, we've been covering it all. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. I am too. Catherine, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. We've been talking about some big ideas and it all started with 4th of July. And there's so much confusion, chaos, and dis-ease about America. And the exceptionalism that is America isn't the people. It's the ideas that protect the civil liberties of people that secure freedom. And I say that as an immigrant, right? That's the exceptionalism that was always America. And the more I studied the Federalist Papers, and I was a pre-law major at the time when I started really putting the dots together and noticing that something is wrong. There is a story from primary sources, and there's another story in my history books, and they don't match up. Little did I know that as a healer, as a practitioner, as director of inner healing at a very successful cancer center here in Southern California, that the connection between those ideas and healing would really begin to germinate in a way that has, frankly shocked even me. And one of the things I quickly observed as a practitioner is that healing is about freedom. And freedom is about ideas. And those ideas expand or diminish life. I had the privilege of working with cancer patients, which I loved and I love. And people that are experiencing significant health issues Sometimes physical, sometimes emotional, sometimes spiritual. Regardless, there's confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. But those ideas that explain liberty and secure freedom are foundational to healing. And I know that those are big ideas, but our aim here during these podcasts is to unwrap those ideas. The reason I invited you to come, Catherine, is because, yes, we've been talking about liberty and freedom, We talked about the consequences of these ideas, right? But we've also talked about language and vocabulary. We had an educator here last week sharing with us. And we talked about education, what's happening in education. And so these principles of liberty, the consequence of these ideas, the language, she was so captivated after a day of rest. Oh, that you were there. I was there. That's right. (laughs) I just realized you were there. You just can't believe the texts, the phone calls the conversation we had with him and he said, Virginia, we need to keep going. We need to keep talking about this, but you are the product 
of the product. You're the product of these ideas that have been instrumental in shaping rest as a reconstitution approach to healing. And as you well know, Natalie, we have an incredible return on our investment. And Catherine, you've seen it too. Oh, I've had a front row seat for the past year. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It's transformational. And one of the things I love most is that we're about putting the power in the hands of the individual, of people, so they can heal themselves, their relationships, marriages, relate all in the context of community, right? In the context of these rest conversations. But I want you to talk a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit of your story. And tell us if you don't mind your age, because you are the voice of a generation. So go. I turned 33 on Friday. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming quicker and quicker. (laughs) I had an alternative education. Um, I was home educated. I wasn't homeschooled. My mom would correct you if you say that. School is a place. Education is an action. I like that. And I would say, I guess, if you were to kind of coin a term, it was American Christian education. Mm. And the approach was different. My mom homeschooled six children. I am the youngest. Wow. Her approach with the older children was different, but she was also growing in her education and her knowledge. And I was kind of the beneficiary of, you know, being on the tail end of that because I really got a tailored education that set me up, I believe, incredibly for life. The premise of American Christian education is to teach individual self-government. So the first presupposition is that there's one God, one God working, the providence of that God ruling and overruling. And the evidence of that, of the power of Christ, would be his work in the life of the individual. And the purpose of this kind of education is to develop the ability to self-govern. Nowadays, you know, we have a different philosophy of education, but that philosophy is predicated upon the denial of a God. And without a God, you don't have self-government. Well, well you know? and, that, and we don't have education. Yeah. What people sometimes don't understand is the principles that you were taught early on, most all of your life, were around teaching you the, both sides of everything, mm-hmm. right? And giving you tools to reason from. Mm-hmm. And that's the basis of that form of education is understanding the human condition, laws of nature, things that are self-evident and speak to our natural affections. And so it's a very reasonable approach to education. And I might say it was a formative approach to education and it was what education was until the 60s. And should still be now, but it's not. But it's not. Yeah, Yeah. there was no right answer. There was no true false. There was no ABCD. Mm. What was there? There was who, what, when, where, why, how, you know, what, you know, how did you get to this conclusion? What is it predicated upon? And when you read material, it was primary sources, primary sources. And what were the shaping influences in those people's lives? What were the conditions of their lives? Mm. So the consequence of ideas is the product of their studies, their work. Mm -hmm. Wow. How did that change you? You probably didn't realize it until you became older and got into the world, into the workforce, and did life. Yeah, I was not aware of alternative or, I guess, like, common education. Like, I had peers in school, but the last thing you want to talk about is school when you're with your friends. But I did start college young, and I was about 14, and I was, I was very prepared. 
So the real question is, how did those ideas shape you? I mean, they shaped me in the way that my life was my responsibility. I mean, it gave me a different kind of independence. I saw the world probably differently than most individuals. You started college Mm -hmm. at 14. Yes. And you took classes in a junior college, Mm -hmm. and you also studied at home. I did. Is that correct? Yeah. And then by the time I was 16, I was full-time at college and pursuing my interests. I've known you most of your life. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the benefit of living near you, but I watched how you think. I watch how you behave. I listen carefully to how you communicate. And you think different. You approach things differently. You reason through things differently. Have you noticed that? I don't think I've noticed that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. you do. And you ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. You don't jump to conclusions quickly. You have the capacity to be objective about many things. Mm. And you reserve judgment, actually. Because you've been given tools from which to reason. And the consequence of that, I've observed, have made you a very powerful communicator. Thank you. That's how I've experienced you. In contrast to many people your age that I've had the privilege of working with, and I love working with, by the way, I sense that there's almost an identity crisis. And they have a sense that something's wrong, but they have difficulty articulating and defining what that is. They see the confusion, the chaos, and the dis-ease of our time, and they see how it's affected them. But they don't have the language or the vocabulary to really identify what's happening. And of course, that's what we do at rest, and that's what we help people do, and that's how we help them experience freedom. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I experienced that a lot with my peers. They always wanted to know what the answer was. They wanted to know what was expected of them, what to think, instead of the process of working through it, you know, and how to arrive at something or maybe coming to a conclusion that was adverse. You They're know, not they, accustomed right yeah. to asking questions. Yeah. Like the frustration would be in not getting the right answer instead of not getting resolve. And, and reasoning. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because you're right. I think one of the differences I've observed about you is that you always want to understand the root cause of something and examine every possible option that could be contributing with a thing that is tormenting you, mm-hmm. is disturbing you, is confusing you. Although that's similar to the desire that other people your age have, the expectation and the method of how that's going to be resolved is very different in how you reason. And I know your brother, and I know your twin, I know your family. It's standard operating procedure. Your education, you thought different, you had to resolve, you had to get to the root cause, the what, why, when, where, how. Those are questions you asked, not just of yourself, but of things you read, people you met, conversations you had, ideas you were pondering. That was a basis of analysis for you. Well, I think it really helped you in in absorbing all of the principles that were introduced through rest because you were already being taught these, like even unknowingly, just while you you grew up. up. That is how you were taught to reason. Yeah. And you're observing that your generation is very reactive to things Mm -hmm. and they don't reason. They're governed by the impulses of 
how they feel. Mm-hmm. So not that feelings don't have merit. They yeah. do. They have a great deal of merit. But they can't override our capacity to say what, when, where, why, how. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Let's think through this. And in thinking through it, the consequence sometimes is not favorable with the decision you'd want to make. But at least you have the courage to reason through those things. Mm-hmm. We just talked about education. And, and here we're bringing your education to bear in this discussion. What's happening in your generation? Explain to us what you see. When I look at my generation and their education, I see really ill-equipped individuals, really for navigating some the basic things of life, you know, relationships, careers, jobs. They're so easily overwhelmed. They're drowning and, like you said, highly reactive. And there isn't a lot of you know, they're always kind of adding things to their lives. There's no like stopping, taking away and evaluating. Is this bringing life to me? Is this bringing death? Is this bringing harm? Is this bringing good? It's very fast paced, impulsive and flesh governed. Uh, what are the ideas that shaped their thinking in standardized education that you think fed that? They're trying to hit a mark. They're trying to get a job a marriage, a family, some idea of life that they had or, you know, age that, you know, status in life would be appropriate for. Well, specifically, I would say do all the athletic things, go to college, get a degree, get a good job, make money. Yeah. All my friends after college or a fair amount would complain to me that they were working in careers that were below their pay grade for their education. Why is that, do you think? Well, because I think their education did not prepare them to produce at the level that earned the income they thought they deserved. What's an education that would prepare a generation? I think an education that teaches reasoning and skills. You know, you have to produce a result. You can't, you know, a piece of paper doesn't, it doesn't produce a product. A piece of paper doesn't produce a thought, you know. Mm-hmm. Thoughts and ideas and reasoning has to be cultivated. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to make a comment, too, just on the educational system and just where we're at with it. We already have a 20th century educational system for a 21st century economy. So already the educational system is not up to par with the technology that we have today. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but when you are going to college or even when you are in high school, it's weird to me that they have all of the answers in the back of every single textbook for the test. They have the answers. So you're giving the book to these kids and they're like, oh, well, I don't want to think through the question. I want just to get the answer. And that's the whole point of standardized education is it's a regurgitation model. You absorb all of the information that the teacher is giving you and then you regurgitate it on a test. You forget, you move on. Yeah. And the bottom line, it's not designed to expand freedom. Exactly. It's not designed to expand these notions of individual self-government of reasoning yeah and writing of asking what why when where how that's not the purpose of it so the consequence and the result of standardized education has been very effective mm-hmm. i mean the workforce is is problem solving if if you didn't learn that younger once you got into the workforce you know mm-hmm. computers can automate everything 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that we talk about in rest, that's the very thing. And which it's very interesting to hear you say that because that's the very thing I'm trying to reconstruct. And those are the foundations I'm trying to erect in the lives of people is their capacity to reason so they can displace the confusion, the Mm -hmm. chaos and the dis-ease. And I have seen a diminished capacity to think clearly they want answers. What do I do now? Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? But they're very uncomfortable wrestling with very difficult, complex things and they don't have the tools But here's what I want you to explain. That's the gap we're filling. The gap between what you're observing and what you had. We're trying to bridge those worlds. Absolutely. I think the power of rest in bridging those worlds is is critical. I don't see a better method. I think it unparallels even the education I had growing up. My education prepared me to understand what you're doing, but you're giving people the power to take authority of their lives and everything in this world that comes against you and reconcile it and continue to move forward with power and strength and resolve. And the principles of rest for reconciling, I think the different parts of the individual, I mean, are necessary for every facet of life. I want to get really practical here. Yeah. And I want to get to real life things. You've experienced some traumatic events. You've had some difficult times. You came back into my life during that season. I want you to talk about where you've been, what you've reasoned through, how it's impacted your life. Post high school, which was kind of my intro to college, I went away to college and I was intellectually more advanced than my peers. I looked older, but I was emotionally young. And I had some pretty traumatic life experience. You you know, you're accurate to say that. There was definitely a lot of abuse, grooming. I was kind of, I definitely attracted very predatory relationships, older male dynamics. And that kind of shaped my view of romance, relationships, love in a very unhealthy way. And... Ultimately, that led to an extreme case of abuse of nature. I ended up having to leave college, leave where I was living, and move back home to recover. I watched you, to some extent, process the trauma of all that. And it's been remarkable. Were it not for the ideas that shaped so much of your life and your capacity to really hold a line, I think you would have just completely fallen apart and you didn't. I think I would have continued to be in more relationships like that or dynamics. That wasn't a relationship. That was a dynamic. But I think that cycle would have continued if I didn't have the foundation I had. What caused that cycle to come to a dead halt? I think the culmination of a lifestyle that brought me there This one event was so extreme, it was pretty Mm eye-opening. You couldn't glamorize anything after that. You know, everything became very clear. We are perfected through the things we suffer, aren't we? Yes. And when you're kind of towing the line with violating your conscience, you can rationalize things. But you can only do it to an extent. What was the extent when you said no more? I think, you know, overnight, education, gone, 
you know, safety gone, home gone, everything I thought that I wanted gone, you know, and I had to kind of reevaluate, okay, now I have to start over what's important, what matters. And then also why was I pursuing these things? What was I getting out of X, Y, Z, or why did, you know, what was driving me? And I never really thought about what was driving me before rest. You know, there's that mentality of like, oh, you go to school, you do this, you do that. And it's just accepted. So you don't have to question it. Grades, money, education. And so there were many things within me driving me, maybe weren't those things, but not healthy driving motivations. And then as soon as I sat down with rest, it's like, you know, you have the hungers that drive you or you have how you attach, how you love. And it never crossed my mind that maybe some of my brokenness is what was driving all of these behaviors or is what was producing all of these consequences, you know, because, oh, no, I'm just going to school or, oh, I'm just doing this, you know. I think this is so important because sometimes even though you had a premier education, you learned to reason well. That's no guarantee that you're going to have a painless life and you struggle with the same things everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But the difference between you and really hundreds, maybe thousands of girls your age that I've worked with is you didn't blame, you didn't shame, you didn't explain, you didn't excuse yourself or others. You were just and equitable in your assessment of all things. And it became easy for me to invite you into this place of rest and help you heal. Looking at things honestly is maybe it's because of how I grew up, but the only path I saw towards healing. You know, I didn't, there was no benefit to me in saving face or, you know, having a certain appearance because that wasn't fixing what was going on on the inside. When you talked about the basis of education was the what, why, when, where, how, that those are foundational questions that you always default to. Mm -hmm. I watched you apply that to your personal life in every significant encounter you've had to negotiate from job to relationships to healing to pain, now the loss of mom. And I'm seeing the importance of these ideas that shape our lives governed by principles, right? Mm -hmm. We've been talking about that for a whole month. Yeah. But I've seen them save your life, preserve your sanity, and propel you forward in life. That's the power of rest to me is the anatomy of descent and seeing, really looking at, okay, where did I believe this lie? Where did I get confused? Where did all of this settle in? Because that for me gave me a ladder out. You know, you can't just remove a lie. Like you have to displace it with something and you have to, you have to displace it with truth if you want to, if you want to get out of where you are. Yeah. Or like you said, you could rationalize too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you're going to stay at that lower level and really dissecting and kind of digging into lies I was believing, things that were driving me. Um, even though it wasn't pretty, it gave me the strength to kind of really look at it and kind of crawl out of, you know, that descent I had fallen into. Yeah. And I 
for me, like, yeah, it's, it wasn't glamorous, but it's empowering to me. And I think it, it is for so many people because if you find yourself in a situation or an illness or, you know, life, or life a compromising will, situation, yeah, yeah. life will throw everything at you. There is a way out. I love what you said that la- that the anatomy of descent showed you how mm. things fell apart, but it also gave you a way out. Yeah. Because if it shows you the path into despair, the reverse is also true. Talk about that for a minute. Maybe talk about the components of the anatomy of descent. Explain them to people listening in the context of your experience. Okay. The anatomy of descent from the day of rest was the most compelling part because it empowered me to really look at the circumstances of my life and be able to pinpoint exactly where on that spectrum of the lie, the confusion, the sin, the sin, the violation of conscience. Yeah. And then the result of covering, hiding and blaming, you know, and the overarching theme being shame and you know, right now I see a lot of lies flying around everywhere and I look and it's like, I see a lot of confusion. And instead of being disillusioned by all of it, it's like, oh, okay, this is empowering. Like there's something going on here. Like we can press into this. We can find out, you know, what's causing X, Y, Z in this situation. It gave you a matrix to reason and not just keep spiraling as people say, right? It's overwhelming, you know? And once you throw guilt or shame over something that you really don't understand, you're already drowning. That's powerful. When you throw guilt and shame over something you don't understand, you're drowning. And that's where we meet people and we help them out of that space very quickly. Yeah. How? By pinpointing where the confusion and the lies set in. When you can identify the lie, you can Mm -hmm. say, no, Mm -hmm. no, that's not true. You become strong. You say, I will not believe that. That's not true about me. That's not true about that person. Mm -hmm. That's not true. It completely shifts a mindset. What's a practical application to the anatomy of descent that you can draw from where these ideas that shaped your life, your capacity to reason, the resources you've been taught from a very young age have caused you not to go into a tailspin? Do you have a practical example you want to share with everyone in closing? Yes, um... Currently, my mom, we're at end of life for her care, and it's complicated. Her illness Mm -hmm. is complicated. It's multidimensional. I'm one of six children. I have a father. Everybody has an opinion, and the symptoms are different day to day. So going home, it's like not only is everybody losing someone who's very dear to them, everyone thinks she needs something different, and everyone else also needs something themselves at the same time. A lot of confusion, huh? There is, and it's always, you know, there might be a right thing to do, it might not be the right time. You know, there might be a right thing to say, maybe to a different person. And I'm constantly navigating, okay, what am I saying? What am I not saying? Who do I say it to? What do I owe? What can I withhold? What, you know, how can I be a support without being frustrated, without... Violate your own conscience in the same. Yeah, or perpetuate more hurt in the situation. Yeah. But I also don't want to say nothing. Yeah. So you see a lot of confusions and confusion, and there's a lot of lies flying all over the place because everybody has an opinion and they're different. Mm-hmm. And so, they're valid, and there has to be space for us to work that out together. Mm-hmm. So that's how you defeat the lies. Mm-hmm. You can say stop. 
everybody's in, everybody's hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's terrified. Everybody's facing something we never thought we'd face this young. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to believe the best maybe about everybody involved and take care of the next person, not just myself. So that's one way to stop the anatomy of dissent. Because if not, everybody grandstands and takes a position and then they think the worst of the other person. And then there's where the cover, the hiding and the blaming come. And then it's a disaster. But there are ideas that shape our thinking that give us the resources to sustain us for a lifetime. And you were blessed to have a mom that gave you those things. Oh, she was incredible. She gave us so much value. She, she poured her life into all of us kids. How did she give you value? She instilled, I think, individuality. I think the importance of that and gave us the skills to be independent. What's interesting about my mom, how she raised me, how to think, and then being introduced to rest is no one understood reasoning and these principles better than my mom, but she lived in so much personal bondage. You know, she's sick. She's very, very ill because of the level of bondage she's lived in her whole entire life. You know, it's deeper than any of us even knew. And I think if she had really grasped and understood the principles of rest, I can't imagine the kind of freedom she would have experienced and potentially even healing. I saw you try. And I saw how hard you and your sister and your family worked to that end. I would just encourage you that even though she didn't experience it, she couldn't experience freedom because she wasn't able to reconcile the conflict within herself. She still represented a canvas that you could look at and learn from. Oh, absolutely. Right? And sometimes that's the role of a mom. She wants you to be better than her and to grasp. Every mom does. Every mom hopes that their children far exceed them, and you have. A lot of ideas are flying around in our day and age that are absolutely outrageous. You talk about those things all the time. We're watching and we're listening and we're hearing the confusion, the chaos, and the disease that those ideas are imposing on people because they haven't been taught how to reason well. Talk about that in closing. What I am seeing is shocking with ideas flying around, what's accepted, what's, what's thrown out. We're kind of being bullied with science now, which when I grew up, science was a method of inquiry. It was asking questions and coming to, you know, a hypothesis and testing it. And it was an ultimate truth, you know, and I think even our idea of these disciplines has changed and how we define things has changed. I'm seeing science is being manipulated, basically, depending what side you're mm-hmm. on. Science is being manipulated to, for an agenda. It yeah. appears that way. It appears that way. But it, it cannot be manipulated. They're trying, but it's not going to happen. That was unheard of in our day and age. Yeah. Even the process of it, like the definition of science. Science is a method of inquiry, of forming a hypothesis, testing it, coming to a conclusion. And now science is fact. Mm-hmm. That's a complete opposite reality of what I was taught. Yeah. Especially when you have opposing sides that both the science mm-hmm. is reflecting different things. Then the question is, where's the truth? Yeah. And here's the what, why, when, where, how 
questions become really important. Who's this person? What's their background? How did they come to this conclusion? Who's financing this research? Mm -hmm. Who's behind this research? Who's supporting the research? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, things start. But you need to ask those deeper questions to find out the validity and the merit of something. And there's no shortage of information flying around now. So, you know, the age of information overwhelm is what you always hear. And it's true. And, you know, where are the tools to navigate that? In reasoning. Yeah. What, why, when, where, how, where is this idea coming from? What are the shaping influences in that person's life? Who's financing the research? Mm-hmm. Does, so you ask a few good questions and all of a sudden truth floats. Yep. Mm-hmm. You were given tools to reason and think that way. And it's one of the perhaps reasons why during a season of difficult times, it didn't fully capsize your life. No, it didn't. What are closing thoughts? I know you have a lot of thoughts written on your computer. Just talk about them. I mean, the biggest thing with reasoning for me and individuality is like, you need to protect these things for yourself, but you also need to regard them in other people. And I think, you know, that's, I'm seeing that being convoluted. How does, what does that look like? Protect them in yourself and regard them in others. I think protecting, educating your conscience, adhering to it, listening to it, educating it, training it, and then also understand like someone's thoughts, their will, their ideas, that's their property. That's not for you to touch. You know, there there has to be a measure of regard for the individual liberty. Yeah. We talk about not everyone has the same measure of light, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, by virtue of their life experiences, have a perspective on something that is, frankly, more enlightened than another person. Mm-hmm. You talk about an immigrant, about politics, they're going to have a very different perspective than a person who grew up in Laguna Beach all their life and never left the beach. Yeah. So you can't sit there and argue about things. It's probably prudent to ask a lot of questions because they have a different measure of light than you do. It's not an invitation to pounce on each other, right? It's asking questions. Thank you, Catherine, for joining us. You're the voice of a generation. But you're not a voice that we're accustomed to hearing. The consequence of being raised with these principles of liberty, these ideas that secure freedom, even in the midst of pain and tragedy and confusion and chaos and disease that hits all of us at one time or another in life. I wanted people to hear how they sustained you through difficult times. And they continue to sustain you as you get to watch the sunset of your mother's beautiful life and everything she poured into you. I always say life is not for the faint of heart. It takes strength and courage to persevere in time, and you've done that beautifully. And Natalie, I would just add to this, that if we're not raised understanding these things, if we are not classically educated, if we if people are listening and thinking, what are they talking about? We're going to continue to share seeds of ideas that can continue to advance the cause of liberty and freedom yeah. because healing is about freedom. Mm-hmm. And we'll care. never heal and if we don't understand freedom. And we'll never have freedom mm-hmm. if we don't understand liberty. 
and we need to understand the ideas that advance the ideas and the vocabulary that advance both. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. All right, everyone. So if you've been listening to our podcast regularly and are now wondering what's next or what else can I do to learn more and start applying these principles, our on-demand day of rest and 40 days of rest curriculum are now available to support you in your pilgrimage. Use the promo code podcast to receive a 10% discount for our on-demand day of rest. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next Friday. Mm -hmm.